When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We've got 60 games of data to be able to build an evaluation on now with this team. They're 30 up, they're 30 down. They're average. It's fine. You know, with some teams, some organizations, they'll take 500. They'll take average, but they don't have a $400 million payroll. And you know, it's a sobering thought, by the way, that the overall value of Francisco Lindor's contract is only $20 million less than Aaron Judge. Let that sink in for a second. Okay, Aaron Judge, who's arguably the best player in baseball, right, is an absolute monster each and every day. You know what you're getting from this guy. And he's only worth, in the grand scheme of things, $20 million more than Francisco Lindor. I I mean, look, Mets are never going to admit it. They swung and missed on that contract. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. There we go. Yeah, I don't know if any Met fans want to hear that song after the way this team's been playing of late. Grasso Show, though, hour number two on a busy Monday, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up till 10 o'clock. Then Gordon and Larry are going to take it for the rest of the evening. You got game two. Stanley Cup finals about to get underway here momentarily between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Just some helpful, friendly advice to the visiting Panthers. If you want to even up the series tonight, maybe, just maybe, maybe want to stay out of the penalty box tonight. Just, just, you know, like I said, friendly advice, free of charge if you want to win that game because one too many trips to the sin bin and a team like Vegas going to make you pay, and that's certainly what happened the other night in taking game number one. So we'll wait to see what happens here in game number two. As far as the uh, Yankees are concerned, and we'll get to the Met calls too. I know a lot of people want to be on. Don't worry, I see you. But, look, Yanks had a really, really good trip. I mean, what can you say? You know, you play six games on the road against two good teams, and you win four out of six, you sign up for that any day of the week. You know, the Bats did the talking against a couple of those Dodger rookie arms over the last couple of days. After Friday night, Luis Severino struggled and didn't exactly set a good tone for the series after getting tattooed in that first inning. But team bounced back, and he gave him a lot of credit. But, you know, the concern here and the takeaway is certainly Aaron Judge. You know, that's the concern here. What is the status of Aaron Judge? He makes that unbelievable play on Saturday, and then you find out he's not in the lineup on Sunday. And and you kind of knew. Like, I saw that yesterday afternoon, and I'm like, well, wait a second. I mean, the game is on national TV. It's Sunday Night Baseball. You know that they're not just giving him a day to give him a day. You have an off day on Monday already. There's got to be something up. And then you just wondered if it had something to do with that play on Saturday. Turns out it did. It was the toe. He has some swelling in it, had a bunch of tests and stuff today. We haven't heard any sort of reports one way or the other. I'm sure that'll come out tomorrow here, but and I think this is, you know, pretty obvious. The Yankees can ill afford to lose this guy for a lengthy period of time. They can't. They cannot. You want to put him on the shelf for 10 days if he has to go there? I mean, it's not ideal, but I don't think it's going to harm the Yankees' chances of still achieving what they want to achieve this year. But... If it's a little bit more serious, and you're talking about him not playing for two months, that's a problem. You know, if this is a broken toe, we find out, and he's going to miss, you know, eight weeks, this American League East is a beast right now. 
You know, the Tampa Bay Rays are showing no signs of letting up. Baltimore Orioles, they got the third best record in the American League. They look like they're legit after the strides that they made last season. You can't count this Toronto Blue Jays team out, except on nights like tonight when Alec Manoa basically just goes on the mound and, and, and wets himself and the game is over in the first inning. But, you know, a lengthy Aaron Judge injury, I don't know if the Yanks are going to be able to recover and win an American League East without this guy. I mean, he is that valuable to them. Like, we talk about the definition of MVP, right? And there's, like, two different schools of thought. Most valuable player. Like, what is most valuable player? Is it the best player? Is it the guy who's most valuable to his team? In the case of Aaron Judge, it's both. He's the best player in the league, and he might be the most valuable to his team. Right? Because Shohei Otani, as great as he is, Mike Trout, as great as he is, it's not like he's help, they're helping the Angels win. They can't get out of their own way. I mean, I know that they're having a, 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 not an awful season so far this year, but I'm talking about since they've gotten there, they haven't been into the postseason, the two of these guys. They've had a mess. Judge, on the other hand, is a completely different story. They need him in the lineup. They need his presence. And now to make matters worse, you got Nestor Cortez who's possibly headed to the injured list with a little bit of shoulder discomfort. And the thing about it is, you know, when Nestor was talking, he was making the point where, you know, it's not necessarily something that I feel during my starts. It's something that I feel in between, which is not good in terms of the recovery and stuff. Here was Nestor Cortez talking about his upcoming MRI. I'm not really concerned. It's just a lot of soreness. I haven't been able to bounce back like I wanted to in between starts. Hopefully everything comes back clean tomorrow in the MRI and we could just get ahead of it and, and, and get better. Look, I've been saying this all season about a guy like Nestor. Anybody in his shoes, you always have to be concerned for the encore. And what I'm talking about is, is that this is a guy last year had a career year, made the all-star team, more importantly, 158 innings pitched, which is the only time in his career that he even hit 100 innings. So he goes 158, and then what do you do with a follow-up? When you have that type of a workload, how are you going to be able to respond from that? And unfortunately, in his case, remember, he was slowed up in spring training with an injury. Now once he's finally on the mound and once he's able to play, he struggled. He has not pitched anywhere near the level of the guy that we saw last year. And that's a problem because when you looked at this Yankee rotation at the beginning of the season and what you hoped for, and one of the reasons I was optimistic about how they were going to be able to perform, Cole, you know what you're getting, right? Rodon was supposed to also be a difference maker. Rodon hasn't thrown a pitch yet. Nestor coming off of last season, okay, maybe he's not going to pitch at an all-star level, but you at least expected somebody who was going to be somewhat capable of being a solid number three-ish type starter. Severino, who once upon a time had Cy Young caliber stuff. Maybe not been the same guy since the injuries and since the surgery, but still somebody who is more than capable. Right? These guys just haven't delivered for one reason or another. And now, what are you going to do? Because you got to once again dive into your farm system for some starting pitching depth again. You know, the Johnny Britos of the world and the Vasquez kid who came up and made a start. You don't want to keep doing that regularly. You know, the starting pitching was supposed to be an X factor for the Yankees this season. And it hasn't played out that way. It really and truly hasn't. And I'm a little bit surprised, to be quite honest with you. 
But Judge is the main concern. No other way around it. They need a healthy Aaron Judge. Artie in Brooklyn, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Art? How we doing? Hey, Dan. What's going on, man? What's up, um, baby? Yeah, the talk about, like, uh, Steve, you know, spending all this money. And, yeah, he basically brought back a team that won 100 games last year. And then from the beginning of the end of spring training, when when Diaz gets hurt, there's this $25 million, you know, relief pitcher star or whatever. And then, and then they made moves, which, you know, you could say they were, you know, skeptical or whatever. Like, it just didn't work out because he got Verlander. And then he ended up giving up Bassett, like you said, and Walker, and ended up getting Sega and and Cantillo, Cantillo, whatever, for cheaper because he's, this team is basically built to to win in the playoffs with Verlander and Scherzer at the, at the top of the uh, at the top of the uh, pitching rotation, and hopefully hoping that they got Robertson now as the eighth inning guy, and now all of a sudden he's the main guy, and they got nobody else in the bullpen because they lost Lugo. So when your three and four guys, number three and number four, don't hit. Then and then us scoring, they beat they swept the Phillies because Canada hit three home runs. They're not get all of a sudden. Pete was hot for that that time, and now he he can't buy a hit. And the door has been struggling the whole season. And like you said, it was just it's a bad contract. It's a bad deal. You, you no, there's no way you could defend it. But at the time, Lindor was one of the top shortstops in the league, and they made the move to trade. I was against the trade. I said, why don't you just wait till he's free agency? I mean, they didn't really give up that much to get him. It's just that after you got him, after you gave up guys, you had to sign him. You couldn't just let him go. So they signed him for 10 years at that money. So if you're going to tell me they didn't make the playoffs because their big guys didn't didn't hit, I mean, look at San Diego, Dan. I mean, San Diego's got a, a, a ridiculous team, and, they, and they have a worse record than the Mets. Yep. All right, man. Thanks for taking the call. All right, be good. Uh, and it just goes to show you, you can't go out there and you can't buy a winner. Can't buy a pennant. It's as simple as that. I mean, and Artie brought up San Diego. San Diego, probably the biggest disappointment in the sport this year. Hands down. And you know what the funny thing about the Padres is? Since Tatis has come back from his suspension, he's actually been great. Tatis has been sensational. It's all the other guys that haven't done their part. You know, Machado missed a little while there with a hand injury. But even before he got hurt, he wasn't raking like he did last year when he was an MVP contender. This weekend, his first series back, he struggled against the Cubs. No, they got issues. And you know what's funny, too? Think about this past offseason with the Mets. What was the one move that they seemed like they were close to making right around Christmas, and then it ultimately fell through? And that was Carlos Correa. And at the time, we were all in on that, right? I mean, he would have been a difference maker. He would have been somebody that absolutely would have served as an improvement in this lineup. Another member in that batting order that the opposing team is going to have to contend with. But I'll tell you something. You know what? Maybe the Mets actually caught a break on that one. Because A, Correa's banged up. B, he's having a horrible year with the Minnesota Twins. So imagine if you have another underperforming player attached to a monster-long contract that would be impossible to get out from. Two? What do you mean two? 
it would have been impossible. And then we'd be sitting there talking about again. What would the payroll have been then? Four hundred million plus a Carlos Correa contract. God knows what it would have came out to. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Joey in Long Island up next here on ninety eight seven. Joe, how are you? I'm good, Dan. You do a great job, man. But that's part of the point I'm making is is baseball, man. Like you could, you know, you could put the same team on the field that won a hundred games and give them the same health, and they'll be a ninety win team. Like the nature of baseball. What I really call for, though, you got to lay off Lindor, man. The guy is one of the best defensive shortstops every single game. He gives us 20 home runs. He had a Joe, great year Joe, last year. Like they Ray won. Ordonez was one of the best defensive shortstops. Am I giving him $340 million? Well, yep, you are in today's game. That's the going rate, no, bro. You're not. No, I mean, you're when not. They, they actually, if you're, looking at, if you're looking at what they signed him for, what is he getting, 30 a year? I don't even remember how many that's gonna, it was. That's gonna be a bargain. That's gonna be a bargain, and I mean they got him for ten years. And but Joe, you're I not mean, buying. That, you're not paying that guy for his. You're not paying a guy that much money for his glove. You're paying that guy for his bat also, and he's come up. And he's hitting with the twenty bat. home runs a year. He's twenty, 20 home runs, runs a year, year though. He was hitting thirty-five uh-huh. with the with the Indians. That's what he you're never paying hit, for. Twenty is coming he up small. Over 30 like, he hit over thirty like once, Dan. He hit over thirty like once. He, he hit 38-32. He finished top six in the MVP twice with Cleveland. Joe, that's what I'm talking right. about. They signed and a guy who hasn't produced at this level in about five years. Bro, he hit 25 last year. Like, that's not that Last much year was a, a good year. year. I'm not killing him about last year. But his first year was terrible, and this season is not necessarily living up to that contract. And not yet, not yet. But if he finishes hot, remember, he was, it was Peaks and Valley last year, too. So, you know, you just got to give him time, man. I think he's been great. I, I mean, if you look at the last few years compared to the years before that, man, Steve Cohen's done a great job, man. Joe, Guys Joe, let me playing, ask you a question. Let me, let me ask you one hmm? question, because, like, you and I obviously right. have different definitions of the term great. If I'm paying mm-hmm. a guy all that money, at the very least, and I know that these are trite things, but I'm saying for that money, at the very least – is it is it unrealistic to ask somebody to maybe make an all star team once? He hasn't been an all star since two thousand nineteen. You telling me he couldn't have been an all star last year though? Last I mean, year he was good. Has been lo- the shortstop's been loaded. The last but again, years, for like, three hundred forty million dollars, I need more. Dan, That's what I'm saying. I need more. Season, man. I get Dude. what you're saying, but I, I think he's been great, man. It could he be better? He's not Aaron Judge, you know. Like, but, but for that money, player. that's the, see, Joe. Here's the thing. This is the point I'm trying to make, and I'll, and I'll let you finish. Here's you, that type of money you expect Aaron Judge production, and I'm not blaming Lindor. I'm blaming the Mets. Lindor, you, me, anybody would have signed that contract if you put it in front of us. I'm blaming the Mets for going all in on giving that guy that money before he even played a game for him. How about this? I know he was a free agent one year into the Mets trading for him after 21. Think about it. He hit 230 with 20 home runs and 63 RBIs his first year with the Mets. Let's say the Mets didn't sign him. Was anybody in their right mind going to give him $340 million after 2021? Mets included. The answer is no. And that's the problem. Because, again, even if you're Steve Cohen and you have his money, you give that much money to one player and allocate that much resource to one position, that's less money that's going to be able to go around to fill other holes. 
All right, and, I, and I'm not comparing players here, but what they gave up Andres Jimenez in that trade. Andres Jimenez was a guy who was an all-star last year for Cleveland, had a good year. He finished sixth in the American League in wins above replacement. War, which is a, you know a pretty big metric nowadays. And he just signed a contract extension with Cleveland for like $100 million. All right? So would the Mets really be that much worse off if they had had a guy now playing shortstop like Andres Jimenez who is making a third of what Lindor is going to cost you and not even for the next 10 years? Would they be that much worse off? They're 30 and 30. 800-919-3776. More of your calls. We'll get into the NBA as well. Big win for the Heat last night. Do we got ourselves a series? Grasso Show, 9870 ESPN. Yeah! Go Mets! Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We are underway out in Sin City with the Panthers and the Golden Knights, game two of the Stanley Cup Finals. I, like I was saying to, to the guys during the break, like it's, it, it cracks me up. <laughs> like, you know, they say game starts at 8 o'clock, puck drops at 8 o'clock. They dropped the puck literally two minutes ago at like 8.22. You know, it's just whatever TV wants, TV gets. And, you know, us as fans are, have to be the ones that have to sit there and wait and watch and stay up late and all those other things. Let's say hi to Larry in Long Island. He up next here on 98.7. Larry, how we doing? Larry, you there? Larry, going once, going twice. Let's sit. Larry, you there? No. Let's sound that buzzer. Larry's out. You're gone. Goodbye. You out. See you, Larry. Uh, let's talk some hoops because you know what? Heck of a job by the Miami Heat last night. In all seriousness, you know, fourth quarter toughness. They have ex. ex- I'm running out of words to describe them. Just every time you want to count them out, they go out there and they do something to surprise you, right? And look, game one wasn't pretty for them, but yet they continually rise up. And it's amazing throughout this entire postseason run, like I, I saw the stat, they've been outscored in the first three quarters, but yet the point differential in the fourth quarter is so lopsided in their favor, it's not even close. And you know what? If Miami was going to win a game in this series, and I said Nuggets in six, you know, I'm still sticking to it. I'm still fairly confident about that. 
But if Miami was going to win a game or two in this series, I didn't think it would be in Denver. I thought that they'd maybe win a couple of games in their building. And as I said earlier, Miami hasn't won a game in that building since 2016. You know, Josh McRoberts, Goran Dragic, those guys were wearing Heat uniforms back then. Denver hasn't lost in that building since March the 30th. We got ourselves a series. We really and truly do. And you know what? The Heat came out on fire last night. Nuggets replied. They had an answer. They took control of the game at halftime, third quarter. And you thought that they had taken Miami's best shot at that point. Like, what was it, an eight-point lead or something like that going into the fourth quarter for the Nuggets? I thought, there's no way Miami's coming back. It's over. But you know what? Ask Milwaukee. Ask the Knicks. Ask the Celtics. This is a relentless team when it comes to playing basketball over the final 12 minutes. And they don't go away quietly. And last night, yet another example of making plays when you have to. You know what? Let's give our flowers to Bam Adebayo. Seriously. Because so far through two games in the series, he's been outstanding. And now he's got a win to show for it. Very good again. And let's not forget about Bam, too. I know whatever he's doing on the boards and scoring and that type of thing. And for the most part, staying out of foul trouble, at least the first two games. But think about what he's trying to do down the other end of the floor. And how taxing and grueling that is trying to guard Nikola Jokic. Right? That's even more impressive what he's able to do down the offensive end of the floor. Jimmy didn't have a, you know, we've seen Jimmy be crazier in some of these playoff games, but he showed up in the fourth quarter when he had to. Give Spolster credit for putting Kevin Love in the starting lineup. I know he only had six points, but he was the team leader in rebounds last night. He was a plus 18, okay, plus 18. When he was on the floor, the Heat were a hell of a lot more productive than when he was off the floor, when they were a minus team. Adds more size to the lineup. Don't think for a second that that didn't help. So Kayla Martin goes to the bench. And oh, by the way, you knew it was going to happen. But for a team that only shot two free throws in game one, they were a lot more frequent visitor to the charity stripe. They made their free throws, which is also a good sign. And that wasn't even, like I said, after game one, that wasn't even a situation where you blame the officiating and you say that it was the refs for the reason why Miami only shot two free throws in that game. No. He'd have to be more aggressive. They had to force the initiative. And they did that last night. And as big a difference as you're going to see, hey, what was the difference between the first two games from Miami? How about the role players stepping up? Right? Game one, I'll repeat it for you. Kayla Martin, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, six points. Two for 23 from the floor. Last night, those three guys have about 27 points, and they shot 50%, 9 for 18. Miami shot almost 50% from three last night. And that's also been like a nice little theme and trend for them throughout these playoffs. When they make their threes, they generally win, right? Jokic was a freak again. You know, 41 and 11, that's great. But he didn't have a triple-double. He only had the four assists. And what does that tell you? Like, 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 dig deeper beyond the box score when you only see four assists. You know what that means? If he only's got four helpers, that means others, his teammates, are not contributing and making plays. So if Nikola Jokic is the scorer, then Nikola Jokic is not the guy who's setting up his other guys to be in position to make plays. Right? And some of those other guys... 
that we saw the other night make contributions, they weren't there. You know, Aaron Gordon, who basically was the guy who was teeing it up in the first quarter in game number one. He was nowhere to be found offensively last night. Didn't make as much of a contribution. Michael Porter Jr., nothing. Jamal Murray was good, right? Nobody else, though, really held up their end of the bargain. And by the way, I'm not going to kill Michael Malone for not calling the timeout on that last possession of the game last night because Jamal Murray got a great look. Got a great look, and when it left his hands, I thought it was good, and I thought we were going to play five more minutes of overtime. You know, the, the, the kind of like two schools of thought in that situation about calling a timeout, not calling a timeout. Remember, if you call a timeout, you're also going to give the opponent an opportunity to set their defense and to kind of get a gauge as to what you might be running and they could draw something up on their own end. Therefore, if you just let it play itself out, the guy that you want with the ball in his hands, he's got the ball. Defense more often than not are going to be on their heels and you put your trust in your player to make shots. Got a good look. I thought it was going down. It just rimmed out, and now we got ourselves a 1-1 series. As I said a little while ago, you're the Miami Heat. If you defend your home court now and just win the three games that you have in Miami, you're going to be world champs. I know it's easier said than done, but that's really how simple as this thing is now for them, and that's how important a victory last night was for this team. And Tyler Hero could be nearing a return here. It, it, it might be game three, might be game four. But that's a guy that, you know what, give him about 15, 20 minutes, you know that he can make a couple from deep. And that could swing the momentum of a game. You saw what happened in that fourth quarter, especially when guys like Robinson started making those threes in that final quarter, momentum shifted. To have another one of those guys available for you is not the worst thing in the world if you're the Miami Heat. So, hey, I didn't know how really deep down how optimistic I was that this would actually be a series and would be competitive. But we got one. But we got one. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Come back in your phone calls. What do you think about Miami? You think that they can make this thing interesting? You think that they could even, dare I say, now in position to maybe steal it? When it's all said and done. That heat culture, which everybody likes to throw out there. And also when we come back, there's some people taking shots at Eric Spolstra for something that happened after the game. I'll let you hear it, and then I'll give you how I feel about the whole situation as well. Grasso Show till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We got a goal. Got a goal out in Vegas. Oh, that's right. 
Jonathan Marchessault on the power play. He said, what did we, t- we say before the game? Oh! Well, we didn't say that, but said before the game, if Florida wants to win and get back in this series and even it up, got to stay out of the penalty box. Well, they commit a penalty, cross-check, 639 in, and only 26 seconds into the man advantage, you have Marchessault beat Bobrovsky, one nothing Golden Knights. That's their third power play goal already of this series, which is like, what, three and a half periods old. Come on, simple hockey. I, I should just get behind the bench and coach this damn team. Not like I have enough on my plate already. Um, we'll get to the calls in a second. So after the game last night, you know, everybody does their media briefing and, you know, players, coaches, whatnot. And a lot of people are trying to throw some daggers at Eric Spolstra with an exchange that he had with a member of the media. And in particular, it was Ramona Shelburne, who works for us, for ESPN. Does a great job. I know Ramona. I've had her on the show plenty of times. She's, she's great at what she does, covering the game. So she was asking him a question in regards to Nikola Jokic. And Eric kind of sort of, like, cut her off and didn't even want to, like, almost buy into the validity of the question and then went and gave his answer. And some people think that he was being disrespectful to Ramona. Take a listen. You be the judge for yourself. Final question on the left. Hey, Coach. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just... That's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They, they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way. Um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Um, and we, he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. All right, so I didn't take it to be anything disrespectful, and I don't think Eric was. What I think Spolster was doing was, in a way, he was being overly complimentary to Nikola Jokic. You know, because I think that he looks at it as a lot of coaches do. Like, the, all right, the game is over. You won a game. It's a 1-1 series, but they're not sitting there and throwing a parade yet. Especially, I, I mean, heat culture. Heat culture, I'm sure, they don't even have anything in the program for a parade. That's like the, 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 the you know, like you have to send away for that page. They don't want to talk about, like, what it means and you think a series is over. They, th- there's no let-up with that team at all. All it is is a 1-1 series. They don't want to get too ahead of themselves. So I think that's kind of what went into the answer. Jokic is an incredible player. We didn't do anything because he also doesn't want to tip his hand one way or the other to Denver either, thinking like, okay, the way we defended Jokic last night is exactly the same way we're going to approach this thing for the remainder of the series. I think that's also a part of it. But I don't think that he was being you know, derogatory towards Ramona or he even suggested for a second that you know it was her question and she was the only one that came up with this theory. I, I don't think there was any of that at all. You know, he knows who Ramona is. I mean, she's been covering the game forever. You know, she's well-respected. But people always want to, like, turn things into controversy. It was more about just being overly complimentary to, like he said, a great player. I don't think there was anything wrong with the question either. I I think it was legit. And like we said, 
you know, whether that was the intent, whether that wasn't the intent. If Nikola Jokic is going to go out there and only have, let's say, four assists in a game, Miami will take that any day of the week. I don't care if he goes out there and scores 50 and has four helpers. The Heat will sign up for that. You know, I think there's been four games or something this year where Jokic has had four assists or less. You know what Denver's record is in those games? They're 0-4. The Heat will sign up for that all five games potentially for the remainder of this series. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Subi in Midtown. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Subi? Hey, Dan. I got two points to make. Yep. One with the uh, Miami Heat. You know, Bam Adebayo is playing himself into like a superstar now. I'm just wondering if you would take him over Giannis in this series specifically. Because, like, if you're interchangeable players, I wonder who would do better versus Jokic. And then also versus, uh, with the Mets, <clears throat> I got the Lindor thing. I mean, at this point, it's up to Buck Showalter to say, hey, don't even hit for a home run, hit for a single or a double. And I'm just wondering if they can compute his bat speed versus um, now and then Cleveland. And then also, is Dusty Baker a good alternative to Buck Showalter in terms of buying him out for next year? Because then we would really know who's the boss in town, you know? That's all I got to uh, say. Subi, that, that, boy, a lot to unpack there. First of all, no, I would take Giannis – you know, six days a week and twice on Sunday over Bam Adebayo. <laughs> and, and you know, like I said, Bam's been really good these first two games, but it's Giannis, right? Um, Lindor, here's the thing about Lindor. What I would suggest for the time being, you know, would it kill you to drop him down the order a little bit? You know, does he have to be hitting in that three hole? But the problem with the Mets are they're so depleted offensively right now and they're not getting any quality contributions from guys. Like, who do you suggest moving up? You know, it was great for those couple of games when Alvarez was hitting in the two-hole, but you know what? He's cooled off a little bit. I mean, think about it. They had Canna hitting in the two-hole yesterday. Why? Because he had a couple of good games against the Philadelphia Phillies. Canna's been bad this year. And the Dusty Baker thing, look, I love Dusty as much as anybody, but this might be it for Dusty. You know, when he signed that contract extension in the offseason, coming off a world championship, by the way, from the Astros, I think it was only a one-year deal. Because, you know, Dusty's no spring chicken. He, he don't know if this is going to be it for him. You know, he, he's got his World Series ring. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame as soon as, you know, the, they decide to vote him in. He, he just might want to kick his feet up. He lives up in Northern California. He makes his own wine, believe it or not. You know, D Dusty's got a lot of stuff going on. You know, he's, he's been a baseball lifer. He's put in his time. He probably just wants to, you know, enjoy his life, his family, which he's entitled to. So, no, I, would I swap out Buck for Dusty? No, th th that's not the type of move. You know, they're not going to bring in a guy even older than Buck to, to, to manage this team. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Corey's in Edison. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Corey? How we doing? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. What's up? Um, I just wanted to say uh, thank, you know, thank you for speaking some truth on this Lindor issue. Um, you know, fans justifying the contract based on, you know, average defense is, you know, ridiculous to hear. And I just want to say the one player we got he needs to be compared to is Corey Seager. Because he's making – they pretty much got the same contract. And, I mean, Seager is playing way better than he's played since the day he got to the Mets. So, if we're comparing it, Seager plays great defense and he hits. Thank you. Corey, um, well, Corey, thanks for the phone call. Corey Seager, remember, he missed a lot of this season with a hamstring injury. Okay, he missed, I think, like more than half the season. 
Corey Seager, though, is a guy, if, if you remember, when the Dodgers won the Fugazi World Series in, in 2020, the COVID World Series, he was the NLCS MVP, he was the World Series MVP. Corey Seager's a good player, but Corey Seager's also a guy who has not exactly been available for a lot of his career. You know, like half of his career, he's been hurt and missed a significant chunk of time, which is one of the things that's kind of, I think, deprived him about even becoming even a, a greater player in terms of stature than, you know, how he's probably considered around Major League Baseball. Corey Seager's really good. And you know what the funny thing about it, too? How about this? You know, he brought up Corey Seager's on Texas, okay? Remember before last season, so what was that, 22? Going into 2022, Texas Rangers signed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. One guy to play shortstop, one guy to play second base. Those two contracts totaled, like, the overall worth to about a half a billion dollars. They were like $500 million for two middle infielders. And you think, well, that's not money well spent, is it? Because Texas was horrible last year. They had no pitching whatsoever, among other things. You know, and Simeon did not exactly set the world on fire in his first season in Texas. And Seager, you know, despite, you know, being okay, the Rangers were bad. Fast forward to this year. This is with Seager missing half a season. Simeon right now has got a 23-game hit streak. He's playing like the Marcus Simeon we used to know, the guy who was an MVP finalist a couple of times over. They've got the number one run differential in all of baseball, okay, which means they're scoring a hell of a lot of runs and they're not giving up as many runs either. Guys like Nathan Avaldi, who we told you, who's been almost the best pitcher in baseball this year, you know, they signed him for a fraction of what they paid Jacob DeGrom, and Jacob DeGrom's going to be out at least until the end of June, if you missed that news we gave you earlier in the show. John Gray, who was also on that team last year, remember formerly of the Colorado Rockies? He's actually been halfway decent this year. Andrew Heaney has not been awful. Yes, former Yankee Andrew Heaney. And this team scores more runs than any other team in Major League Baseball. You know, the Jonah Himes of the world, Adolis Garcia. They got dudes on this team. And they got a Hall of Fame manager in Bruce Bochy. Texas, and I don't see any reason why they won't be, if they go out and sure up this bullpen by the trade deadline on August 1st, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You might be talking about the Texas Rangers who could go to the World Series this year out of the American League. They could go to a World Series. Because I do think the Bochy factor is a big one. You know, you got a guy who's won three rings already in that dugout. And the Rangers are probably looking at this thing like, wait a sec. We're in first place right now. We're going to make the playoffs, whether it's winning the American League West or just getting in as a wild card. We're getting in. Why don't we pump the brakes on DeGrom and his recovery? Make sure this guy is healthy late in the season, going into October, because then we got ourselves a secret weapon in a healthy Jacob DeGrom. Now, the Mets probably thought that same thing, too, last year, and how did that work out? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. More of your phone calls and... We've got some Knicks news and notes heading into these summer months of free agency. How about that? Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> we got a goal. Got a goal out in Vegas. Oh, that's right. Jonathan Marcheseau on the power play. You say, what, did we what did we say before the game? Score! Well, we didn't say that, but 
said before the game, if Florida wants to win and get back in this series and even it up, got to stay out of the penalty box. Well, they commit a penalty, cross-check, 639 in, and only 26 seconds into the man advantage, you have March or so beat Bobrovsky, one nothing Golden Knights. That's their third power play goal already of this series, which is like, what, three and a half periods old. Come on, simple hockey. I, I should just get behind the bench and coach this damn team. Not like I have enough on my plate already. Um, we'll get to the calls in a second. So after the game last night, you know, everybody does their media briefing and, you know, players, coaches, whatnot. And a lot of people are trying to throw some daggers at Eric Spolstra with an exchange that he had with a member of the media. And in particular, it was Ramona Shelburne, who works for us for ESPN. Does a great job. I know Ramona. I've had her on the show plenty of times. She's, she's great at what she does covering the game. So she was asking him a question in regards to Nikola Jokic. And Eric kind of sort of like cut her off and didn't even want to, like, almost buy into the validity of the question and then went and gave his answer, and some people think that he was being disrespectful to Ramona. Take a listen. You'll be the judge for yourself. Final question on the left. Hey, Coach. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just... That's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They, they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way. Um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Uh, and we, he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. All right, so I didn't take it to be anything disrespectful, and I don't think Eric was. What I think Spolster was doing was, in a way, he was being overly complimentary to Nikola Jokic. You know, because I think that he looks at it as a lot of coaches do. Like, the, all right, the game is over. You won a game. It's a 1-1 series, but they're not sitting there and throwing a parade yet. Especially, I, I mean, heat culture. Heat culture, I'm sure. They don't even have anything in the program for a parade. That's like the, 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 the you know, like you have to send away for that page. They don't want to talk about, like, what it means and you think a series is over. They, th there's no let-up with that team at all. All it is is a 1-1 series. They don't want to get too ahead of themselves. So I think that's kind of what went into the answer. Jokic is an incredible player. We didn't do anything because he also doesn't want to tip his hand one way or the other to Denver either, thinking like, okay, the way we defended Jokic last night is exactly the same way we're going to approach this thing for the remainder of the series. I think that's also a part of it. But I don't think that he was being you know, derogatory towards Ramona or he even suggested for a second that you know it was her question and she was the only one that came up with this theory. I, I don't think there was any of that at all. You know, he knows who Ramona is. I mean, she's been covering the game forever. You know, she's well-respected. But people always want to, like, turn things into controversy. It was more about just being overly complimentary to, like he said, a great player. I don't think there was anything wrong with the question either. I, I think it was legit. And like we said, you know, whether that was the intent, whether that wasn't the intent. If Nikola Jokic is going to go out there and only have, let's say, four assists in a game, Miami will take that any day of the week. I don't care if he goes out there and scores 50 and has four helpers. The Heat will sign up for that. 
You know, I think there's been four games or something this year where Jokic has had four assists or less. You know what Denver's record is in those games? They're 0-4. The Heat will sign up for that all five games potentially for the remainder of this series. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Subi in Midtown. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Subi? Hey, Dan. I got two points to make. Yep. One with the uh, Miami Heat. You know, Bam Adebayo is playing himself into like a superstar now. I'm just wondering if you would take him over Giannis in this series specifically. Because like if you're interchangeable players, I, I wonder who would do better versus Jokic. And then also versus, uh, with the Mets, <clears throat> I got the Lindor thing. I mean, at this point, it's up to Buck Showalter to say, hey, don't even hit for a home run, hit for a single or a double. And I'm just wondering if they can compute his bat speed versus um, now and then Cleveland. And then also, is Dusty Baker a good alternative to Buck Showalter in terms of buying him out for next year? Because then we would really know who's the boss in town, you know? That's all I got to uh, say. Subi, that, that, boy, a lot to unpack there. First of all, no, I would take Giannis – you know, six days a week and twice on Sunday over Bam Adebayo. <laughs> and, and you know, like I said, Bam's been really good these first two games, but it's Giannis, right? Um, Lindor, here's the thing about Lindor. What I would suggest for the time being, you know, would it kill you to drop him down the order a little bit? You know, does he have to be hitting in that three hole? But the problem with the Mets are they're so depleted offensively right now and they're not getting any quality contributions from guys. Like, who do you suggest moving up? You know, it was great for those couple of games when Alvarez was hitting in the two-hole, but you know what? He's cooled off a little bit. I mean, think about it. They had Canna hitting in the two-hole yesterday. Why? Because he had a couple of good games against the Philadelphia Phillies. Canna's been bad this year. And the Dusty Baker thing, look, I love Dusty as much as anybody, but this might be it for Dusty. You know, when he signed that contract extension in the offseason, coming off a world championship, by the way, from the Astros, I think it was only a one-year deal. Because, you know, Dusty's no spring chicken. He, he don't know if this is going to be it for him. You know, he, he's got his World Series ring. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame as soon as, you know, the, they decide to vote him in. He, he just might want to kick his feet up. He lives up in Northern California. He makes his own wine, believe it or not. You know, D Dusty's got a lot of stuff going on. You know, he's, he's been a baseball lifer. He's put in his time. He probably just wants to, you know, enjoy his life, his family, which he's entitled to. So, no, I, would I swap out Buck for Dusty? No, th th that's not the type of move. You know, they're not going to bring in a guy even older than Buck to, to, to manage this team. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Corey's in Edison. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Corey? How we doing? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. What's up? Um, I just wanted to say uh, thank, you know, thank you for speaking some truth on this Lindor issue. Um, you know, fans justifying the contract based on you know, average defense is, you know, ridiculous to hear. And I just want to say the one player we got he needs to be compared to is Corey Seager. Because he's making, they pretty much got the same contract. And, I mean, Seager is playing way better than he's played since the day he got to the Mets. So if we're comparing it, Seager plays great defense and he hits. Thank you. Corey, um, well, Corey, thanks for the phone call. Corey Seager, remember, he missed a lot of this season with a hamstring injury. Okay, he missed, I think, like more than half the season. Corey Seager, though, is a guy, if, if you remember, when the Dodgers won the Fugazi World Series in, in 2020, the COVID World Series, he was the NLCS MVP, he was the World Series MVP. Corey Seager's a good player, but Corey Seager's also a guy who has 
not exactly been available for a lot of his career. You know, like half of his career, he's been hurt and missed a significant chunk of time, which is one of the things that's kind of, I think, deprived him about even becoming even a, a greater player in terms of stature than, you know, how he's probably considered around Major League Baseball. Corey Seager's really good. And you know what the funny thing about it? Too? How about this? You know, he brought up Corey Seager's on Texas, okay? Remember before last season, so what was that, 22? Going into 2022, Texas Rangers signed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. One guy to play shortstop, one guy to play second base. Those two contracts totaled, like, the overall worth to about a half a billion dollars. They were like $500 million for two middle infielders. And you think, well, that's not money well spent, is it? Because Texas was horrible last year. They had no pitching whatsoever, among other things. You know, and Simeon did not exactly set the world on fire in his first season in Texas. And Seager, you know, despite, you know, being okay, the Rangers were bad. Fast forward to this year. This is with Seager missing half a season. Simeon right now has got a 23-game hit streak. He's playing like the Marcus Simeon we used to know, the guy who was an MVP finalist a couple of times over. They've got the number one run differential in all of baseball, okay, which means they're scoring a hell of a lot of runs and they're not giving up as many runs either. Guys like Nathan Avaldi, who we told you, who's been almost the best pitcher in baseball this year. You know, they signed him for a fraction of what they paid Jacob DeGrom, and Jacob DeGrom's going to be out at least until the end of June, if you missed that news we gave you earlier in the show. John Gray, who was also on that team last year, remember formerly of the Colorado Rockies? He's actually been halfway decent this year. Andrew Heaney has not been awful. Yes, former Yankee Andrew Heaney. And this team scores more runs than any other team in Major League Baseball. You know, the Jonah Himes of the world, Adolis Garcia. They got dudes on this team. And they got a Hall of Fame manager in Bruce Bochy. Texas, and I don't see any reason why they won't be, if they go out and sure up this bullpen by the trade deadline on August 1st, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You might be talking about the Texas Rangers who could go to the World Series this year out of the American League. They could go to a World Series. Because I do think the Bochy factor is a big one. You know, you got a guy who's won three rings already in that dugout. And the Rangers are probably looking at this thing like, wait a sec. We're in first place right now. We're going to make the playoffs, whether it's winning the American League West or just getting in as a wild card. We're getting in. Why don't we pump the brakes on DeGrom and his recovery? Make sure this guy is healthy late in the season, going into October, because then we got ourselves a secret weapon in a healthy Jacob DeGrom. Now, the Mets probably thought that same thing, too, last year, and how did that work out? 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. More of your phone calls, and we've got some Knicks news and notes heading into these summer months of free agency. How about that? Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Vegas makes it 2-0 moments ago, and, and this one probably stings a little bit more because Florida was just on a power play. And I don't think it was a shorthanded goal, so the power play just expired, and yet Vegas then lights, lights the lamp to make it 2 zipping. Vegas is good. I mean, what, what can you say? You know, they just come at you in waves. They play four lines. There's no let up. Yep, turnover in the uh, turnover in the defensive zone. Couldn't clear the puck. Nothing more, nothing less. Martinez. Yep. Bad goal. It's a bad goal. You want to win a you want to win a cup? Can't make plays like that. Simple as that. Uh, let us say hi to Mitch in East Windsor, who is up next. Mitch, good evening. How are you? How's it going, buddy? Dan, Hello, Mitch. Cool. What's going on? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you first, before I get to Aaron Judge, uh, on Denver, I think they're going to win the next two games. Uh, the forwards have bad games, especially Michael Porter Jr. He's got to play better. These guys to be a potential four-star team. They'll supersede these three-star uh, teams that these um, dream teams that LeBron and Michael Jordan started, where they got four guys that are going to be stars, and three of them they uh, drafted. They won the second round, and that was a sure trade. With Orlando for um, Aaron um, Gordon. That on Aaron well, Judge, remember Michael Porter Jr. Everybody... When they drafted him, he had back issues. Remember, and they kind of took Ryan a flyer Lee. on him, and they didn't know if he would necessarily play out or not. But hey, you know, he's he's become a productive player. Well, he had a big game last night. I don't think that's going to happen again. No, last night he wasn't. And on Aaron, Ju- yeah, and on Aaron Judge, I don't know if there's any permanent damage to that fence, but for some reason, I thought about it. I don't know. If I know I'm older than you. Aaron Judge, uh, Herman Munster, crashed through the fence. I know if you remember that episode. Well, and I, reruns. I, Come on. I, I do remember Give me some credit, though, huh? Okay. You can see, you can Google it. It was, it, it was funny. But anyway. Well, we've seen guys go through was, the fence before. Remember that? What was the guy's name in the minor leagues, the famous one all those years ago? What was his name? Was it, um, uh, was it Rodney McRae? Was that the name? You know who I'm talking about? The fa- yeah, there it was. It was Rodney McRae. That was the one. Well, it's kind of famous, and he 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 lived to tell about it. He walked, he walked right off. Well, we know Jose Canseco took a ball off the head for a home run, but that's that's infamy for another for another reason. Yes. Anyway, thanks for taking my call at it's, Denver in five. Well, we'll see. And good phone call. I, who knows? I could look. If you told me right now that the Nuggets are going to win the next two games, or it would actually be the next three games, if if you base it on five, I I, I could believe it. You know, because, look, if Denver wins three and four in Miami, I certainly don't see the Heat being able to save their season in a game five back in that building. I'm shocked that they won last night. I can't see them winning two games. Sam is in San Antonio. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Sammy, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? Thank you for taking for the, taking the call. I hope all is well with you and your family, brother. Things are good, uh, bro. What's uh, going on? Um, nothing much. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, finally speak with you. I've been listening to you for forever, but just really never had the opportunity or the pleasure to speak with you. So thank you so much for your time. Well, Sam, um, the we, is all mine. You, I mean, it really is. Let's be honest. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, well, you know what? Okay. Let, how about we, we're both respectful folks. How about the pleasure is both of ours? Let's, let's, uh, let's go with that. Uh, 
So we are in a thousand percent lockstep. Number one, uh, what you're talking about with Lindor, I've been literally having the same argument with my best friend, who's a, we've both been diehard Mets fans since we were little kids. And my argument is, is that, you know what? Number one, I don't think they should have extended him when they traded for him because we all know that New York is his own beast. You had a year just to take him on a test drive, essentially. Um, and you're right. That first year, no one would have paid him the $340 million after the year that he had after that first year. No one would have. Um, and that being the case, yes, last year was a great year that he did have. But the first year and this current year, he's nowhere near the type of money that he's getting paid as far as being on the level of an elite shortstop. Uh, the number two point is my most Biggest point. All the folks that are calling for Buck Showalter's job. Um, Crazy. I, I know this is an impossibility, but this is just how emphatic I feel about them. They should be banned from watching baseball. Uh, this is not Buck Showalter's issue. I mean, look, look, you look at the lineup. With the exception of uh, Alonzo, McNeil, and Nimmo, who's actually having a great year, um, what other players doing what they're supposed to do on this on this team? Um, if any, if anything, I mean, I know it's not right to call for somebody's job, but what's surprising me the most is that there's really not much of a murmur out there going up against Billy Epler. This is all him. The two trades that he made, Ruff and Vogelbach, they might be worse trades than the Victor Zambano trade way back. So he's done nothing. In fact, actually, he's done things to worsen the team, but everybody's calling for Buck. I just don't get it, man. But please, make some sense of that if you could. Well, uh, Sam, you that's know, you all know what I it have. Is. Thank you so much for your time, brother. You have a wonderful rest of your evening. Sam, same to you. You get back to us, all right? Here, here's the thing. It's a convenient excuse, right? You can't get rid of all 25 players. Or is it 26 now in baseball? They gave you the extra guy. Whatever. Can't get rid of all 26 guys, so who do you got to point the finger at? Well, what's the easiest fix? You get rid of the manager. Getting rid of the manager, getting rid of the coach, that's easier than getting rid of the general manager because the manager, the coach, they're directly right there on the field. They're the closest thing to the field. Now, look, I agree. I said this earlier. This is nowhere near Buckshow Walter's fault. Nowhere near. But it's called the fans are frustrated. They have to blame somebody. Let's blame the manager. Look, at the end of the season, if this thing doesn't get any better, if the Mets are no better than a 500 team, if they miss the playoffs, if they sneak into the playoffs, whatever, and they have a quick exit, it's going to fall on the steps, uh, uh, fall on the, on the plate of the general manager, and he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone because you know and I know that they have eyes for Mr. Stearns, the Queens native in Milwaukee, who is now a consultant who's still got one more year in his contract. He's the guy that they've tried to pry away from there to run their baseball ops for the last two off seasons, and they weren't able to because he was still under contract. Okay. Contract will be up at the end of the year. That is going to be the guy that will be running the baseball operations for 2024 if the Mets don't fire this year. And you know what? Even if they do, they still might make the change. Who the heck knows? All right, one more hour to play with. We'll have some more baseball. We'll get into some Knicks stuff and even a little football matters as well. Dan Gross' show, another 60 minutes right here on 98.7 ESPN. Give me some credit, though. Huh? Okay. You can see, you can Google it. This is the Dan Grosser show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>